Is talk radio a thing of the past? Does it still have relevance like it did a couple decades ago? The one and only Mandy Connell, one of Denver's most popular talk show hosts, weighs in on this and many other issues. I'm John Caldera. This is the audio version of our television show, Devil's Advocate. You can watch that program by going to our YouTube channel, IITV, that stands for Independence Institute TV. Please subscribe and share this podcast. Enjoy. So I call her a friend. She's never once called me a friend, but I'll keep it that way. The one, the only, the incomparable Mandy Connell. So just just what is your problem? Other than my ongoing friendship with you, I'm pretty much problem-free at this point. I don't think that's true. Oh, no. Problem-free? Problem-free? Me free? personally? Yeah. Well, this is the year that I've decided. You know, do you make resolutions every year? No. Do you set intentions going forward? No. This explains a lot about you, but I do. And this year I decided... Took me till like January 11th to figure this out. Going into an election year, which honestly I'm not looking forward to as a talk show host because it's going to be nasty. But it's good for ratings. It's, it's good for ratings, but me personally, it sucks the life out of me. But this year I just decided my moment of zen, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to worry about things I can't control. And it's been very liberating. Welcome to my life. Well, is that how you run your life? Because now I have well, to thanks. reconsider my entire intention for 2024. <laughs> I know what you mean, especially here in Colorado, um, as the Republican Party just blah, blah, blah. Oh, well, explain that little. Uh, no, 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 explain it. Explain it, I young lady. I haven't been on the show since I left the Republican Party, have I? No, you haven't. You were no. still a Republican last time I, we talked. I have, uh, after the, the elevation of David Williams to the chair of the GOP, I changed my party affiliation the following Monday. Why? Because... That's the only way I could successfully vent my frustration with the way things were going within the party. And I, I am not happy with his leadership in terms of looking backwards. Everything is looking backwards to 2020. Um, we all know that Trump is never going to win Colorado, period, full stop. And yet the party has focused solely on Trump, his issues, looking backwards towards the 2020 election. And from where I'm sitting right now, there are things happening in Colorado that are so significant and so bad that can directly be laid at the feet of the Democrats running the legislature and the governor. And we do not have an infrastructure that is built for that right now. And, and you know, I did not see a path forward. So consider it my own little conniption fit, right? That was my little hissy fit. And I left the Republican Party and I'm desperate for them to be a functioning party in Colorado again because we are, we are quickly going down a rabbit hole of policies that are gonna be increasingly difficult to unwind to get us back to the vibrant economy that we had before, to the level of freedom that we had before. And I've only been here 10 years, John, and You've I've seen, seen the collapse, Imagine man. those of us who have been here you know, oh, 60 years. Well, as a native Floridian, I got to live through the influx of New Yorkers right. to my home state. So I know how it feels, right? I, I, I'm not a native but somehow, Coloradan, but, but I feel somehow it. Florida brought it back. Florida is one of the freer states in the country. It is because Florida is a very interesting um, state in that the lower half of the state, everyone is from somewhere else, right? right? So, And then from maybe Orlando North, you have basically like rednecks. And I'm from the North, so I, I don't say that in a disparaging way, but you have rednecks and that is Trump country, hardcore in Northern Florida. And it's it's they kind of push against each other but even the, a lot of the New Yorkers that have moved down from New York, 
they tend to be cops, firefighters, people with a good pension. They came down to Florida for housing prices. So they're- Housing prices and no income tax. Exactly. And so they're more likely to vote right. And then you have a huge chunk of the Cuban population that is solidly Republican. And by the way, gun rights are not messed with in Florida. Correct. All that, so if Florida survived their invasion, can Colorado survive the invasion of Californians? and other New Yorkers and people from Illinois, can we survive it? I think we can if we start changing course now. But I want to I want to talk about the Republican Party. It's my thought of the Republican Party is it's dead. Not nationally. I want to make that clear. Yeah. Here in Colorado, it is a non it's a non thing. In fact, it's worse than a non thing. If you are in a suburban area and you have an R behind your name and you're running for office, just put a swastika behind <laughs> your name because you're not gonna win. It's, it's about Trump. Now in the hinterlands, in the rural areas, different story. Right. That makes me think there is more potential for a third way. And I don't know what it is yet, so help me think it through. A unaffiliated movement of people who are freedom-oriented, but screw you Republicans, screw you Democrats, but I'm not woke, I'm not pro-tax, I'm not pro-regulation, you know, I'm, I'm not, I want to be free, fine. Marry whoever you want to marry, yep. do whatever you want to do in your home, smoke your weed, but lower the taxes and get out of the way so businesses can thrive. I think that's still there in Colorado, but it needs a way to express itself and it cannot be through the party. Well, you look at what happened in Colorado Springs with the election of Yemi Mobilade. Here he comes, an independent guy, no political experience yep. whatsoever, and he takes out a very well-known Republican and in well Wayne funded. Williams. Very well-known, very established, very entrenched. And, and you know, I like Wayne, I think he's a good guy, but Yemi came in offering exactly what you're talking about. Saying things like, I don't care where the good ideas come from. If they're good ideas for Colorado Springs, I'm gonna implement them. That kind of language, right? That kind of inclusive language of, I don't want to play party politics, but I want to solve our problems. I want to make a significant dent in the homeless situation in, in Denver. I want to make sure that we look at every single regulation when it comes to housing and figure out what's making our housing so expensive and roll that back. I want to look at every issue that we're having and take all the best ideas, no matter where they come from, not caring who gets credit, and I want to implement them. And I think that kind of, almost like morning in America, right? With the right independent who doesn't have a thousand pounds of baggage, who, who maybe doesn't have a huge track record in politics, either Democrat or Republican, who can sell that message. I think that is the best hope for right-leaning politicians or right-leaning people in Colorado. Because to your point, the Republican Party here is, I mean, every time I turn around, I feel like they are just shoving another fork into their own eye. But it, the Honestly. other part of it, it just doesn't matter. What was it from Meatballs, the movie, Bill Murray going, it just doesn't matter. The rich guys are going to get all the hot chicks anyway. It <laughs> just doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter, even though the media here loves focusing on the dysfunction of the party. Yep. You're, you're beating up an invalid. It, it, <laughs> it doesn't matter. The party can't do anything. Right. So whatever dysfunction is going on in the party, and will continue to go in the party, it doesn't matter. Republicans have control of nothing here. And because of that, they miss the big story, which is Democrat on Democrat violence, which is really starting to flare up. And that's the beautiful part. The media is not looking at that. But sooner or later, people go, why are we reporting? 
We don't report on what goes on in the Libertarian Party or the Constitution well, Party. And by the way, yeah. the Republican Party isn't much bigger than that. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. And, and that is, you know, how do or how does the, the Democratic Party in Colorado bring everyone to heel so successfully? And I mean this, we've got we've got primaries going on in three different congressional districts right now for, for the Republican Party. You would not see a Democratic primary with seven or eight or nine candidates in it. H how do they bring them to heel? And I have a theory, but I want to ask you that question. All right. So let me take a, a shot at this. You, you know Kildare's first political axiom. Oh, no. There is nothing Republicans cannot F up. <laughs> and it's true. And I've, I've seen it you know, since I've been in politics for over three decades. It's, and it's because we don't get paid the same way. We don't answer to the same money god. And so you have the establishment guys, you have the Tea Party guys, you have uh, the Trump guys, and they're all doing different things. And there's no discipline. The left understands, you know, if we win, we all make money. These guys really aren't out for money, not usually. And so they, there's this opportunistic thing. There's not, there's not a system. And it's, it's sad to watch, but Republicans will always destroy each other. I have, a, I have a slightly different theory. Go for it. And that is that the cost of going up against the Democratic monolith is too high. And that if you come out and create a problem mm. for the favored candidate, for the preferred candidate, for the candidate who has been chosen by whoever is doing the choosing, I don't know who's doing the choosing, then if you, if you create a problem for that, then the, the potential to be ostracized from not only your party, but your social circle is so complete because they do cancel culture like it's like it's breathing, and so the the chances they the, uh, the, 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 the left the hard left especially and the hard right's getting good at it too. Well, the hard I mean, but you know the hard right again has no power, so right. does it matter when you're ostracized from a party where no one else is showing up? <laughs> you know, does it really matter? So it's it's like I, I don't want to see the Republican Party sort of do that same thing where interparty politics chooses the candidate, right. chooses our choices. But at some point... Are you saying... Let me see if I kick it back to you, and I'll say it slightly differently. Good people don't want to run for office because they see what happens when you run for office. 100%. You get destroyed. You get yelled at at the supermarket. Any little thing you did in your past gets blown out and completely misrepresented. Why bother? Why even bother? So the people who do show up are more or less, how to put it, crazy. Well, we do have our share of crazy. I mean, that's for sure. And we're seeing some of that play out right now in some of these congressional races. Let me ask you a little bit about um, the debate that happened a few weeks back. It was the fourth congressional, nine candidates, nine, I think it was nine candidates. Nine candidates. How many of you have been arrested? And two-thirds of them have been. How do I know two-thirds? Because I know math. <laughs> Six out of nine is two-thirds. I, I will say that has to be one of the most shocking moments in any kind of debate for a couple of reasons. Number one, a Republican was asking those questions. So are we now doing opposition research? Who, for, who for, asked the question? I it was forget. George Brockler. Oh. So it was George Brockler, <laughs> who I have a lot of respect for, right? And he's a law I, enforcement I, guy. Exactly. I mean, but, but why in the world would you ask that question? 
especially when you knew the answer or had some idea of the answer. I don't think anybody knew six of them. Exactly. So now what did they get arrested for? So now we're going to, in the general election, we're going to unfurl everyone's arrest record. I mean, what- well, Mind you, arrest doesn't mean a conviction. I, I know, but still, how many times have you been arrested? Well, I'd rather not talk about okay. it. Okay. <laughs> I've I, I managed I've, to make it to I've, 54 without ever being in the back of a police I car. I am pushing 60. I've never been arrested that I remember. So we can't run for office now in the Republican Party? Is this, of, is this now the, the, the standard bearer? It was very frustrating to see that because that's another example of, of, you know, just when the media has run out of, you know, ammunition, we're walking around with a plate full of bullets saying, here you go, here's your next Kyle Clark move right there. Here, Kyle, here you go. The difference between, well, I murdered a guy, that's why I was arrested, versus, um, no, I wouldn't take down the, the protest sign I was carrying on the street corner, and so they arrested me. But and nobody got to give a follow-up answer. Right. So it literally was six people raising their hands saying, yes, I was arrested. And then they high-fived over it. Like, it yes, was funny. heck yeah. Oh my Come God. On. It, it was, was a funny moment. It was, in the moment, it was funny. And, you know, in this day and age though, it's like I grew up with my dad being so Republican, right? So much so that I went to college and became a dirty foot hippie liberal, right? I was determined. That was my moment of rebellion, right? And yet my father, who was an attorney and then a judge later in his life, he was, he was always about how the Republican Party was the party of law and order. They were the party of, you know, doing the right thing and making good choices and being the, the ones who always made sure that the, that the good guy won, right? And the bad guy got what, what was coming to them. And so to see the cavalier attitude about that and, and to have it be laughed off, that question honestly to me felt like a, let's rehabilitate Mike Lynch in this question. That's what it felt like. It felt like a very pointed question to give Mike Lynch cover. And you know what? I don't wanna, I'm not gonna put Mike Lynch on full blast because he's been a really good member of the house and he's done some really good things. And I have friends Great. who think he is a phenomenal guy. We've all there done dumb of, there stuff. There were a lot of good people on that. Ex on exactly, that we've all done dumb stuff. But the cavalier attitude about it is what bothered me. It was like, sure, we've all been arrested. Who hasn't? And I'm just like, wait a minute. This kind of should be like, show me, hang your head, look a little contrite, you know, just try something. All right, let me let me let me let me play devil's advocate on that. Which is, it depends. One, it was funny. I don't care what you say, <sighs> it it was funny. And you don't know what it was for. Was it for domestic assault? All right, I don't want to know about what you were you a bank robber? Or was it some sort of overreach? Did you, like I never would have done, not followed a ridiculous gun law that says you need to turn in whatever it is you have? In which case, yeah, take me. Or no, I got arrested because I, I didn't move to the back of the bus when they told me my skin color was wrong. There's lots of different reasons to be proud about being arrested depending on what it is. Okay. All right. And that's my story. I'm sticking with <laughs> there it. There you go. No, I, I just, it was, it was disheartening to me because we, we know that Trump is going to be the presumptive nominee. Like he's, yeah. he's going to be the nominee. And he Which has. Which is terrible for Colorado. It's just, it's bad yep. for Colorado. Let me be real clear. I'm not saying a Trump presidency is bad for the nation. It is bad for Colorado politics. Yep. Because he is such a boogeyman here that he will scare people to continue to vote for Democrats who are now really socialists. And unless we find a third way, unless we find a way that is not a Republican big R way to get sane people who want to shrink the size of government, will we be able to solve this? And if we do, I mean, imagine if we could get enough unaffiliated or some other party 
elected in these suburban areas to join with Republicans on fiscally conservative issues in the in the legislature, it could make a difference. I actually think that in, it's not just about suburban areas. I think the right kind of independent running in Denver, um, running on a message of, I don't care what you do with your body. I don't care who you marry. I don't care about any of that. But we've got to fix the problems that are facing Denver. We have affordable, you know, if, if you could get the right person to share the message that so much of our affordable housing issue is directly connected to government regulations, if you could get somebody that could sell that fiscal message while staying completely out of the social issues that are wildly unpopular, I think there's a lot of people in the Denver Metro who have almost had the progressive beaten out of them yeah. by the situation here. And, and I think reality that, mugs you yes, into, into it really this does. isn't working. So I don't think it's just about the suburban districts. I really don't. I think it is urban centers where people have just had enough of cleaning up poop outside their business, of their favorite restaurant going out of business because the homeless encampment across the street. And they can't is, afford to hire yeah. anybody with, with the minimum wage, the family leave act taxes, all the regulations. You can't ha give your customer a plastic container. It's it's, it's 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 hitting bad. people now, and it's yeah. hitting them every single day in the and face over and over again. it's going to get worse because these policies take time to mature yep. into reality. And it takes five, ten years for bad policy to end up destroying economies. And I, I think there's a chance for a real comeback. I am, and I know it's not, I, I'm, I'm not on mushrooms. I want to make this clear. <laughs> you could be, though. I could be. You could be on I mushrooms be, right now, yeah. I'm not. Yeah. When I say this. I'm actually more optimistic about Colorado's political future than I have been in 15 years. Why? For the reasons we're talking about. Now, mind you, the, the, the destruction of the party, the leftist takeover, uh, we saw coming. At Independence Institute, we saw this coming for years. And we kept trying to put flares up and signals up. Nobody would listen because, well, you know, we know what we're well, doing. Caldera is a real jerk. Yeah, anyway. well, everyone, well, Caldera <laughs> is a real jerk. But beside the point, we, we tried to... Tell people, look what they're building. Yeah. What they're building is going to create this. They're going to overreach. It's going to be this, this, and this. And the party is going to implode. But we keep throwing millions and millions into candidates. Candidates, go, oh, we've got to give more money to candidates. And silly initiatives and this and that. Instead of building capacities like vote harvesting, like narrative building, like communications to unaffiliated, the type of stuff that will win. But it takes years to build that. Yeah. That's eating your vegetables. Conservative donors don't like to eat their vegetables. They like to bet on horses. The left donors bought the racetrack, and that's why they waited and won. It just takes some time. But here's why I'm optimistic. The Republican Party is, is dead. We don't, people, you know, they're in denial. I've already, I've already gone through my five stages of grief. It's <laughs> gone. It's, it's fine. Uh, and the policies are going to destroy the state. So we're not going to have the moniker of R's behind people's name because it just it's dead. Right. We're going to have uh, an economy here in a few years, thanks to the overreach, that is going to be crippling to businesses. People will be moving out. Companies won't be coming here. Something is going to have to give if, this is the big IF, if we can build some sort of way for unaffiliated or a new Republican Party or a new something party that fills that void we can take the state back. 
I've never been more convinced of it. Well, I mean, I like your optimism, and it's unfortunate because I think you're right. I think things are going to continue to get worse. unfortunate because I'm right? No, mm. well, I mean, sometimes yeah, a blind squirrel true. finds a nut, right? That's and true. I think it's unfortunate. I do believe things are going to get worse before they get better. But I don't know if you saw recently there was a column by the um, CEO of the Colorado Chamber. About the um, devastating effects that that the policies passed since 2019 have had on our business climate, and now we've gone from having when I first moved here one of the most vibrant economies in the country. And the the example that I always give to people when I talk about Tabor specifically, the Taxpayers' Bill of Rights, is after the crash of 2008 2009. So I was living in Florida, Southwest Florida, which was number one in the country for foreclosures per capita for two years. Two years they held that title. So we were devastated by 2008, 2009. We move out here, and I hear people talking about things like, oh, you know, my home value dropped $30,000. And I was like, really? Because I know someone in Florida who bought a $900,000 house that it just sold for three seventy-five. dollars I mean, it was devastating. But I started looking at why Colorado's economy recovered the way it did. It was Tabor, because the state was constrained by Tabor, so they could not overspend during the crash. So when it was time for the economy to ramp back up, Colorado was on the runway, right? We were ready to go. And I just thought that was the most magical thing when I moved here. I mean, I realize it's super nerdy to think anything yeah. like that is magical. But, but if, you've, if you've had it for the longest time, you don't realize how magical that is. And so when I see the attacks on Tabor, when I see that, you know, when we undid the Gallagher Amendment, no. who didn't see this coming? The yeah. left. No, you, <laughs> you, know, know? you know who didn't see this coming? A lot of people in... Republican world, I'm talking about folks in business who rightfully were angry about Gallagher. Right. Because it favored homeowners and there was a bigger, terrible burden on businesses. So instead of fixing it for businesses, yep. somebody said, why don't we get rid of Gallagher? And people, including uh, some some respectable businessmen, go, yeah, let's get rid of it because it's, it's hurting us here. And now look what you've Done. Yep. It, again, Caldera's axiom. This is this is how we we give ammunition to our enemies. And now a lot of those people go, oh, ah, uh, yeah, maybe that wasn't such a good idea. The thing that I'm encouraged about that you're kind of talking about now is that we still have an electorate when given the opportunity to vote against tax increases, they vote against them. And given the opportunity to vote for a income tax decrease, they vote for that. So I think the kind of candidate that we're talking about, this unicorn candidate that does not, may or may right. not exist, we don't know. Um, maybe if, if they can have. Maybe a, she's a blonde with glasses. No, I, I swore on. to my husband that I would never run for office because between whoa, the two whoa, of whoa. us. Oh, you're married? St stop. Between the two of us, we have like five closets full of skeletons, and I don't, <laughs> I don't want to piece together my 20s by running for office, right? I don't want to do that. Going full circle to why good people don't want to yeah. run. You don't want to run because. I don't want to do the work, or I don't want to camp. No, it's because you don't want to get canceled. You don't want. Oh, I don't care about getting canceled. I you mean, know, that's you know that. But the skeletons but, but in the I closet. I have children. You know what I mean? And there are things that I would prefer <laughs> that my children did not find out like, about my like uh, my life. I'm not right. sharing it with on, you. Tell, First of all, you're a big blabbermouth. I won't not, tell anyone. No, tell we're doing no, no. But but what's a, what's what was the stupidest thing you did in college, and with whom? I'm not saying on this television show, but I will tell you after the after the show's over, but I will not say it on the air. But but um, you know, we have this new electorate coming in. These are young millennials that have moved here. Um, Gen Zers are moving here. 
They can't buy a house. They don't see a future. We've, I've now known several younger people, 30, who have said, why am I here? I can't build a future here. So they've left. So we're either going to have a, a drain where all of these young people who came here because they wanted to live in Colorado. And I saw a very funny meme that said for guys, moving to Colorado is the equivalent of women getting bangs. Like, you know, you, you want to make a life change. So guys move to Colorado and women cut their hair. But, but they don't see a path future here. So again, this unicorn candidate, who, who if they can make that argument to, look, we can fix this. We can fix the problems that government this. has created. We can fix this without endangering your choices for abortion. Correct. It's not about abortions, but I guarantee you Colorado has never been, at least in my lifetime, a pro-life state. It mm -hmm. has been a pro-choice state. And uh, it's not going to be an anti-environmental state. It will always be pro-environmental. It won't be an anti-LGB state. Uh, but if, so if we don't touch those things, if those things are left alone and you work on those things on the demand side, right. not the supply side, the demand side, yeah, that person going, so help me, what does this new system look like? Because right now, the only way for it to work is for unaffiliated to run as an unaffiliated candidate and hope they can pull enough from the Republican candidate and the Democratic candidate to win. If instead we had open primaries, where the top two vote getters in any primary, you know, where you could have a Republican and a Republican or a Republican Democrat, two Democrats, or an unaffiliated. That's what happens in uh, the Denver city mayor's race and others. I, I wouldn't, I'm open to that idea. I, you know, has that been, I, I know there are places around the country that do that. And I think I would like to see more of a deep dive into how often it is two candidates of the same party. Right, um, well, because if, if it's going to be in downtown Denver, it's going to be two, two Democrats. Left, but it'll be one whack job and one not so wacky. And right now, the whack jobs win. That is that is correct. I mean, um, not that Mayor Mike Johnston is is a whack job, but I openly supported his opponent Kelly Bruff yeah. because policy wise, I thought her policy choices that she was campaigning on were better for the city of Denver. Right, um, but it's hard when I go on my radio show and say, "Look, if you live in Denver." Ointment suppositories, like here you go. And, and I'm gonna tell you the one of those that I feel is gonna be the least objectionable. And what we end up with is a lot of Republicans in Denver just didn't vote. And so we ended up with a guy who I think his policies are going to end up making things exponentially worse here. Uh, I think we're gonna attract even more homeless people with the stuff we're doing right now. Well, I hope I'm wrong, to be clear, I hope I'm wrong. Um, but that being said, when you end up with two candidates from the other party, I think there's a certain amount of disengagement that allows the crazies to win. You know what I mean? I mean, you, you have to let the electorate know that their vote does matter, even if they're unhappy with both of the candidates that they have to choose from. And I think when you have two Democrats think, in Denver, you, think you have a Colorado lot of people Do you think Coloradans are open to changing the way we elect people? Um, I, think they, I think it would have to be demonstrated to them the beneficial nature of it. But... I, I'm not opposed to it. As long as you can show me sort of some previous outcomes that I feel like were fair, right? And I don't mean fair Republicans win. I mean fair to where I can look at that and say, that was a really fair election where the people ended up with the choices that they were happy with and they got to elect. And the person who won, won fair and square, you know, legitimately, there's no question about it. Instead of feeling like, you know, and maybe it's just the devil I know is better than the devil I don't. But instead of feeling like, 
you know, I'm not sure this is going to be beneficial and it could be harmful in the long run. Biggest, You're really going to have to demonstrate that. What's the biggest change you've seen in a decade? I'm curious from your outsider perspective. You're, you're, you're woven into the fabric of, of Denver now, but you came here and you didn't know Denver. What's changed? What is, if you said one thing that is so different in your decade here, what it's is it? It's dirty now. The city is dirty. When I first moved here, there was no trash. There was no trash along I-25. There was no trash in downtown. Um, no graffiti. It, it, there was no graffiti. It didn't have any of that. It was a clean, I always felt safe, no matter where I was in the city. I always felt like I could walk from point A to point B. And you know, now I actually think it's a little bit better than it was a few years ago after the summer of love. I mean, it was really a crap hole yeah. there. For, I mean, downtown Denver looked terrible absolutely terrible. It looks better now, but you know, for me personally, litter is the sign of a decaying society. I, I have a it's very a strong windows. emotional rant about litter because if you cannot be bothered to pick up your piece of trash or not drop it on the ground, then you're not a good citizen. And no civilization and culture can survive without good citizens, right? Isn't it amazing, as a quick side note, um, Harvey Milk, who was the uh, gay city council mm -hmm. member and then the gay mayor of uh, San Francisco, one of his big, uh, one of his big themes in the campaign was, no, clean up after your dog. And yep. he got tired, people got tired of cleaning, and he changed the culture so that people walk around now with plastic bags, which are illegal, but walk around with plastic bags and clean up after their poop. But yet, San Francisco is a hellhole, yep. and people won't clean up their human feces. And we see it here that people are there cleaning up their dog's poop because it's a cultural thing, yet there are other people just crapping in the, on the sidewalks and passing out. And you look at this and go, how did we succeed in changing people's hearts and minds to change this behavior, but yet this is still acceptable well, to us? the dog owners aren't addled on drugs or mentally ill. That's a big starting point right there. It's like, yeah, it's easy to change the culture when people aren't crazy, right? I mean, but, you know, things in, in Denver... That, that frustrate me are, when I first moved here, one of the things I loved about it was you'd be behind a car, you'd be getting gas at a gas station. And you'd have a car with an environmentalist sticker on one side and a Second Amendment sticker on the other right. side of the same bumper, right? It's, it's gotten so tribal here. I, I just went on vacation to Switzerland. It, and Switzerland is a fantastic country, I highly recommend it. Save your money before you go. It is pricey. But we, we talk to all of the people. We talk to our you know, cab drivers. We talk to our tuk-tuk driver that drove us around Zurich while we ate fondue. Oh, yes, that's a thing. What's a tuk-tuk? A tuk-tuk is a three-wheeled vehicle. You have a oh. driver in the front. We sat in the back and ate fondue while he drove us around Zurich, Switzerland. It was magical. But nonetheless, we have these conversations with all these people we interacted with. And to a person, they said the following, some version of the following. These two guys are the best you've got in the United <laughs> States of America. But then they expressed concern because they said, you don't understand. You guys are the beacon in the world. And if you can't get it together, the rest of us have no chance. And then they also went on to say, and why do you only have two parties? They have like 30 parties in Switzerland. Now, I'm not advocating for 30 parties because this sounds chaotic, right? Just trying to put together a government. Coalition governments, yes. Oh, it's crazy. But they said Swiss people vote on who has the best ideas. 
on who has the best ideas to solve the problems that we are currently having at that moment. I may vote for that party this time, that party the next time, another party the next time. You bring good ideas to the table, you'll get my vote. They don't have the same tribalism we have here. And all I could think of was to go, I don't know, I don't know why we do that, it's dumb. And so, you know, you don't have to. We, we have also a dozen parties. Parties pop up all the time. We have two major parties. But they're controlling the ballot access. They control so much of the electoral process that to say we have multiple parties that are viable in any real no, shape, I never, you know. Uh, did you hear me say viable? I, know, I, I know, didn't say viable. I know. But, but we do have other parties. And throughout history, you, you look at the graph of we had wigs and then yeah. whatevers and then whatever. And we might be getting to one of those inflection points, points where you know Democrats now are 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 crazy, and it's Republicans, for instance, that are the ones talking about protecting free speech. What you and I grew up watching All in the Family. That that <laughs> I'm sorry, Republicans are not the ones saying people have the right to say whatever well, they want. It was the ACLU. Been, our speech has been curtailed. By the left, exactly. not the right. Exactly. And old leftists refuse to come out and condemn the new left for, for their attacks well, on Well, Bill Maher does. Yes. He does, brilliantly. Um, he, the stuff he's been talking about lately has been really um, needed. You know? Let me throw this at you. This is kind of more of a talk show thing as well. It was the leftist comedians that, that pushed it. You know, Lenny Bruce and, and uh, uh, George Carlin. And you know, they, they, they pushed boundaries. And they pushed boundaries usually in a leftist way. Oh my God, you can't say that. that you're talking about yeah. seven dirty words. Oh my goodness. I wonder if the counter is coming this way, because you cannot be a comedian today because you'll offend somebody. Don Rickles could not no. exist. No. You know, God bless his soul, he's dead because they would kill him today, which is such a shame because, you know, Don Rickles, uh, Mr. Warm. I wonder if the Bill Burrs of today are the ones going, no, we're, we've got to take this on. We, we, I, we cannot be funny. You're not allowing us to be funny. I. I watch Saturday Night Live. At least I watch the go on YouTube and I'll watch the highlights. It sucks. Yeah. It's. I mean, they have weekend update can be kind of funny if it's all uh, hard hitting on the left. There's no funny anymore. So I wonder if if at some point college kids and comedians and the arts class go, we can't write anything. Not everyone is a left handed, one legged, uh, trans. Lesbian, you know, I can't write that on every show. Well, I think that it would be, and I've talked about this many times about I can't wait for the college kids to be like in these subversive, dirty basement comedy clubs where somebody's just telling jokes yeah. about trans people, black people, Hispanic people, white people, fat people, and just taking everybody out, and it becomes that kind of subversive feel again because uh, i do Jack think that Bruce getting exactly arrested for being subversive yeah and and the pendulum always swings in the other direction right i mean does it, it always i think it does i mean i i think one I've of the things waiting. you know i've always believed in karma i'm waiting well it doesn't happen on our time <laughs> you know we don't get to choose the schedule that's the real the real kick in the pants there but i do believe the pendulum swings back in the other direction and i think that some of the older comedians who have been sort of sidelined even even guys like jerry seinfeld 
Yeah. Jerry Seinfeld just, I, I watched a video of him not too long ago, uh, and he's talking to some inane interviewer, and the, and the interviewer says, well, you know, everybody on your uh, comedians and cars drinking coffee, uh, they're all white. And Jerry Seinfeld was like, are you kidding me? I don't care what color they are. They happen to be white, but they're also very funny, and kind of had a moment, you know, where he really Somebody went off on this Somebody called her guy. honey? Oh, honey, you don't know what No, it's a dude. It was a dude. Oh, it was a dude. No, he you did always this, assume he it's did, the women no, that he do did. that. I saw the same thing, but it was with a woman, and she was like, she said, well, what about women? And he said, oh, honey. And 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 she was you, you called me honey? Yeah. yeah. But we, we need those comedians who have yeah. the F.U. money, you know, to, yeah. to come out and be strong against this. And I think it, that is starting to shift a you little bit. You can't cancel everyone. Correct. Sooner I, or later, you need someone to get the jobs done which is why you need to run for office. No, no. And I'll tell you why after the show, because we don't need photographs from All things right, popping I'll, up on I'll, things I'll, like I'll that. I'll put it on my Twitter yeah. account once. <laughs> oh, you no, no. It'll be lies, everyone. Lies. Whatever he says is big, fat lies. All right. Let's, let's finish up on this. You're a queen of talk radio. I like to think so. You're Denver's diva. How's that? Oh, see, now. You like that one? There you go. That's good. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, what have you noticed in talk radio lately? Be you honest. Know, but well, you wrote, I just for the audience, I already took John to task. He wrote a very accurate column. As a matter of fact, I shared it on my blog where I often share John's work. He did not name check me in the column. It was a column on talk radio. He could have given me a little free pub, but he didn't. So anyway, I don't it was think about you're wrong. dying talk radio. No, you're not, it's not dying. dying. You're it's thriving. Not, it's not dying. It, it is, it is um, increasingly difficult for companies to justify the expense of having live and local talent like we do on KOA all day when there are plug and play network programs that they can put on the air and they're immediately going to draw a certain number of audience members who want that kind of red meat, low hanging fruit talk radio about politics. And it is in an industry that is in flux, just in general, I mean, like everything else, I, one of the things I, I will say about um, the company I work for is that they pivoted early and hard towards the digital product that we have, towards the iHeartRadio app, and they have been really aggressive in going after that market, whereas other radio companies have been much slower to that, that shift in how we consume media, right? I mean, my, my daughter is 14 years old. She does not watch television at all. No, like nobody watches nothing. TV. She watches everything on her phone, right? So shifting the new to the new technology, but ultimately, and the point you made in the column was podcasting has killed the radio star. Radio will continue to go on because there's a place for it. And as people get older, they start listening to talk radio to hear the local stories, to hear the local coverage that you're not going to get from, is it from the national media. It wasn't always old people. Young people listen to talk radio. As a kid, I listened to talk but radio. But you're not normal. I mean, uh, realistically, granted, the totally. demographic for our for talk radio has always skewed older because generally speaking, when you're in but your it 20s. Hasn't, it hasn't skewed ancient. And right now, I think it's really skewing ancient. Even those people who want the red meat if they're younger enough, they can do without the 20 minutes of commercials. Right. And, and they're listening to the podcast. They're though, listening to the podcast. Like my podcast, my podcast that we post after the show is commercial free. So I have on my podcast like 4.7 million downloads overall for, for the show. So I probably have more absolute listening via the podcast than I do live 
at this point because people just consume things differently. Now, what I'm, breaks my heart about that, real fast, is that when it's live, it, I can yeah. challenge you right at the moment. Yeah. I, I call you up. This is not NPR where they you don't take phone calls. No, I call you up and I go, you're wrong. <laughs> and if you're wrong, I embarrass the hell out of you. And it's, it's so wonderful and interactive and local and spontaneous. And that the person who has a, something to say gets the same access as the host. And that, you no podcast can do that. No, sadly. it can't. But I, I, don't have, I don't have a... But a tiny percentage of people ever call. A tiny percentage of people actually interact. And they're the ones listening live, right? They're the ones that are still consuming it live as it's happening. But now we have, we've given access to people who are either working during my right. show. You know, We've allowed them to, to dip in. And if they really want to be ambitious, they can put me on double time, listen to me sound like Minnie Mouse, and be done with the whole show in like you know 45 minutes right. kind of thing. So giving people access that works for them is what I think is going to save the medium going forward. But iHeart makes no money when you don't have any commercials. iHeart does make money, and there are commercials on the podcast as well, just not as many. We also don't have news and traffic because, you know, you may be listening two weeks from now, so really do you want news from two weeks ago if and it traffic? it wasn't for erectile dysfunction, talk radio <laughs> would not exist. Every for third the record, commercial. I do not have any erectile dysfunction commercials that I personally endorse. I do not, I don't You don't endorse? That. I do not endorse an erectile dysfunction company. Not yet. I mean, there's always, you never know. Are we talking pro-erectile dysfunction? <laughs> no, no I just you, don't, you, no. Actually, you might do a commercial I, for I just that. Want, can I have a, like a humble brag for a second? Um, we, have a, we have a new program director. His name's Dave Tepper. He's been with yeah. us about a year and a half. Dynamite. Like, I love this guy. And he- What a suck no, up. No, you know me. I mean, you know I'm not a suck up, really. I'm really not. Um, but he has this very dynamic vision of how to do a show catered to the changing attention spans. Cause that's another thing. You know, when I first started in talk radio, we would do a topic for an hour. Sometimes we do it for two hours. Now you have to deal with attention spans that are like a sand net, right? I mean, they're, they're so, they're, they, they make a goldfish look, you know, attentive. So you kind of have to build a show based on that, but We've seen a, a big reflection in the ratings with younger people just making those adjustments where we're not staying with a topic for an hour. We, I, I mean, I'll still ride the horse if it's, if it's a really right. good topic, I'm still going to go. But now I'm much more conscious of this. Like, what if someone doesn't want to hear about the UN you know, refugee organization? What if someone doesn't want to hear about this? Well, I, you know, I sprinkle in different topics to kind of go after that, that short attention span. And it's working. The other sa there are two other saviors for, for, um, for talk or for uh, terrestrial radio, as yeah. they call it. Sport. Yep. Because sports are live. People want it live. And if you want to listen to the Broncos, you want to listen to the Rockies. By the way, KOA's Rockies guys are, are the Amazing. best. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. It's a, they just paint an image. It's really incredible. Yeah. And when the shit happens. <laughs> you know, when something blows up, yeah. Where where you go? You you go to local news. Yeah. Especially if it's something local in town. NBC's not going to have yeah. it. It's going to take a while to get it on YouTube. So there's there will always be that. I'm just nostalgic for the days where where it was a political influence on par with newspapers. I agree. I, I mean that that but that era is over. It truly is. We're we're so broadly disseminated and how we get our information. I didn't disseminate you. <laughs> how we get our information and, and how we 
consume news and, and all of that stuff. So it's just, we live in a different world now. And is it better? I could argue no, but in a way, I, I kind of love the democratization that the yeah. internet has brought that, that allows people to, I mean, find now, their people. Yeah. And, and when I talk to young people who say, I really want to be in talk radio and they, they do exist. I always say, start a podcast right now because the next big radio stars are going to come out of podcasting. I truly believe that because we have no minor leagues anymore. I think it's going to go the other way. I think the big stars in talk radio are going to become podcasters and take their audiences with them. Well, I mean, to a certain extent, as, as people get fired, 100%, yeah. that, that happens. But I think when that... When are you going to get fired, by the way? I keep trying. And they keep letting me stay. I mean, I just... Every day my key card works. is like, woo, look how okay. It turned green. Let's go. Um, I'm hoping not to get fired for some time. I don't think people understand just how insecure jobs and radio are. We're lucky in Denver that yeah. we have a relatively stable group of talk show hosts. And when it changes here and changes there, no, no. As, as a rule, you come in one day and the format has changed and your stuff's in a box. Like, what? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, d New York had some changes that they wanted to do. When I first got into the industry, well before I had my own show, I worked with a guy who was so incredibly paranoid about getting fired. And watching him grip about it literally every day. When I said every day my key card works, I was joking. He genuinely, it was like going to the slot machine for him. He would put his, you know, key card, and yes, I mean, he was so concerned about getting fired. It, it was actually a very good lesson for me to A, have a plan B, right? You got to have a plan B. And, and B, not get too invested in worrying about it. Because if you do, because it cripples you. there's a lot of you. ego in talk radio. I mean, it's behind a microphone. But if somebody's great. better than me and they come take my job. Everybody's better than you. You weren't. I could have your job <laughs> like that. Yeah, yeah. Like that. They yeah. offered it to me but over you, yeah, and over yeah, and over. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> No, I, I just think See, that... Uh, there's a guy we know. I'm not going to say his name, but um, he never put anything on his wall in his office. He never... He also had a cardboard box. Yeah, he had yeah, a cardboard box. Well, his desk. Desk. So <laughs> when they fired him, he could just put everything into his cardboard box. And I was like, that is the saddest thing I've ever seen. But again, going back to the beginning of this whole show, you, you can't worry about things you can't control. And the only thing I can control is I put in a lot of effort every single day. I put in a lot of you know research. I do what I can. I try to put on a great show. My motto is always suck less than yesterday. And I, you know, that's what I try to do every day. And if they fire me after that, then it's out of my hands. In the Venn diagram, we'll probably leave it like this. There are things you control. Mm -hmm. There are things you influence. And there are things you can only observe. And what's great about what you do is you control this, but you influence this. Uh, and that's important. And we try to influence, but we don't have control of that. I, I would love to get donors to put money into infrastructure, uh, long-term infrastructure, the stuff that's going to take six, eight, ten years right. to pay off. I'll try to influence that. I don't have the money. But I'll keep controlling what I can control. And what you do is so important on that. And you do, you speak to a different generation. Uh, I think you have more female listeners than most talk radio yeah. ever has. And that in itself is, is, is wild. So well, congratulations. I mean, I've been told <laughs> women don't listen to talk radio, but the reality is when you give them something they want to listen to, they do. You know, but the, talk radio is inhabited by a lot of, you know, older white dudes. And they're not necessarily going to communicate <laughs> With a, a suburban housewife in the same manner that because I Because you know what? Those dames don't listen. Oh, my God. You know, that's the problem. That's it. That's, what, that's what it is. Yeah. We're going to leave it right there. Yeah. Nine Could to noon. it right there. <laughs> noon to 3 o'clock. 
Monday through Friday, Tuesday. Monday through Friday. Oh, they give you they give you. Yeah, I'm, the I'm there all five that's, days. That's, I keep pushing for the four day work week, but so far it hasn't hasn't really taken. The blog, pimp the blog real fast. Mandy'sblog.com. That is where I do all of my show prep every day. If I do say so myself, it's quite good. I think it it's quite good. No, actually, you do a great job bringing together uh, uh, all sorts of different stories in yeah. different ways. It, it's a lot of fun. Local, national, Kanye West stories, because, you know, Things that really not? touch you. Exactly. Yeah. So check it out, mandysblog.com. No apostrophe in Mandy's blog. Grammatically incorrect, but you can't have an apostrophe in a URL. Got that going for really? me. Is that where we're going to leave this on? Yeah. That's the high note? That's no the kicker? No apostrophe. That's it. Thank you so much. If you've enjoyed this episode of Devil's Advocate, I hope you'll share it with a friend. And I hope you'll subscribe and follow the show. We have new ones released weekly. Remember, this audio was taken from our TV show. To watch it, just search the letters IITV for Independence Institute TV on YouTube for this and many other great conversations.